If you've spent much time researching financial planning, you've heard about the balanced portfolio, a 60-40 split between stocks and bonds. Well, in this show, I talk about how you can use a fixed indexed annuity for the bond portion of your portfolio. Also, I define what an independent financial advisory firm is. Thanks for listening. Welcome to show number 15 of the Excel in Retirement Show. 15 is an exciting number. I feel like that's a milestone for us. And so we are going to keep plugging away and providing good content for you here on the show. My name is David Treese, and my goal is to distill a couple financial planning ideas that could help you excel in retirement. So as always, we're honored to have you here with us, and thank you for listening. You can reach me by calling 864-618-4800. So to start out, let's uh, talk about a feel-good story. An 87-year-old Japanese man is officially the oldest Ironman athlete. Now, if you don't know what Ironmans are, they're a 2.4-mile swim, followed immediately by a 112-mile bicycle time trial that finishes with a marathon run or 26.2 miles of running. And he achieved this uh, accomplishment at age 85, and he plans to continue next year and compete in Hawaii at the World Championship. And the interesting thing, though, is this gentleman didn't get his start at competing or riding a bike until he was 69 years old, and he plans to continue racing and competing into his 90s. So if you ever wanted to try something new or there was uh, something that you've always wanted to do, there has never been a better time than right now, and it's never too late. I think that's the moral of this story. And I tell you, if you were listening to episode six, I told you about how I used to ride bicycles in my 20s and so forth and how I, I enjoyed that so much. And I've ridden my bike 112 miles. And I'll tell you, it's hard work. And so my hat's off to this guy. And uh, it was hard for me to ride 112 miles in my 20s, let alone at age 87. And he plans to continue into his 90s. So quite the accomplishment there. And it's never too late. So Go try new things. It would probably do us all good to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and try some new things and stretch ourselves. So many financial commentators on TV and other financial advisors, they'll say the stock market is forward-looking, meaning the market isn't going down today despite all the problems we see right now that has uh, impacted us this year because of COVID-19. They say that it isn't going down because it's forward-looking to maybe even next year, 2021. And these commentators or advisors will often state that things look better in the future. There might be a vaccination or there might be uh, a reduction in the amount of people getting the illness and so forth. And that's why they say the stock market is hitting all-time highs right now despite record low GDP and the massive unemployment numbers that we see, something like 20 million people unemployed, and the civil unrest in in obscure places like Wisconsin. We wouldn't think that there would be civil unrest in Wisconsin, but we're seeing that. So is the stock market really forward-looking? It may have been at one time, 
It may have been at one time. From retirement.tips, that's a website, uh, a direct quote here. Stock prices reflect future expectations. When investors buy stocks, they are looking beyond current conditions and they are betting on what they think will happen in the future. For example, many are optimistic about the possibility of a widespread distribution of a vaccine for COVID-19 in 2021. Still, it's important to remember that such confidence doesn't influence present economic conditions such as consumer spending or unemployment. So that was the end of the quote. My issue with this, though, is that the government is intervening in the markets, and it's really opaque. What we do know is when the Fed begins reducing its balance sheet, that $7 trillion plus balance sheet right now, we see volatility in the market. We are seeing it this year. In June, the Fed dropped its balance sheet from about $7.1 trillion to $6.9 trillion, and the Dow dropped just shy of 10%. The Fed began flooding the market with liquidity afterwards so as to stabilize the market. We saw this in 2018 when the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, began increasing interest rates and say, saying the Fed was going to lower its balance sheet that was left over from the Great Recession. The market went haywire. We saw big dips in the market. We talked about that here on our show. That's why it's important to have more of a plan than just buy and hold when we're in the market today. We are using tactical money managers this year because of these circumstances. We're not going to ride our holdings to the bottom and have to wait around for four or five years to break even again. What 62-year-old out there who plans to work three more years and retire at age 65 wants to lose 40 or 50% of their money and have to wait to feel good about retiring until 67 or 70? I don't know too many 62-year-olds that would say that they like the sound of that. We need money in the market for a number of reasons, though. Inflation protection is one. The market tends to rise with inflation, right? That's just a known fact. Liquidity is another. Generally, if you're over 59 and a half years old, your money in the market, if it's in tax-deferred accounts, is fairly accessible, depending on how it's invested, of course. So what do we do? Let's talk about conventional wisdom a little bit more first. A balanced portfolio, and that's in air quotes, is generally 60% stocks and 40% bonds, right? That's what most people call a balanced portfolio. Depending on the client's risk tolerance, these percentages will slide either way. Other advisors use the rule of 100. This rule uh, says that you take your age. Okay, for example, say you're 70 years old. 70% of your money should be in financial products that have little to no downward fluctuation, and the remaining 30% should be invested in bonds or products that cannot lose value. Neither one of these strategies are necessarily wrong or right. It really comes down to what the client is trying to achieve and whether they're willing to invest in a way that gets them where they want to, where they want to be. For example, many people will agree that taxes are probably very likely to go up in the future, and these same people often have most, if not all, of their retirement in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks. Some people are willing to eliminate uh, or, or implement, I should say, excuse me, strategies to reduce their potential tax burden in retirement when tax rates are likely to be higher, but others won't. They have been conditioned to believe it's always right to put off paying taxes. And we talked about this at length in previous episodes, uh, but that's just how people are conditioned to think about these tax-deferred accounts. 
I tend to be in the camp who believe that rule of 100 is a pretty good approach, generally speaking. No, it's not always appropriate, but a lot of the time it is. So at the balance of our time here today, I want to talk about what we do with the bond portion of your portfolio. It's no secret that bonds are not producing much in the way of income with interest rates being so low. Last week, CNBC reported that the Fed would keep interest rates near zero, and the Fed said it would keep buying bonds targeting $80 billion of uh, bonds a month in treasuries, buying treasuries, $80 billion of treasuries, and $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities. And so that's what the Fed is doing each month. Hopefully you understand that the government can't increase interest rates because that would mean it would have to pay more to service its nearly $27 trillion of debt. So bonds paying a decent return is not likely for the foreseeable future. The Vanguard total bond market index is yielding right at 2.5% interest, according to Yahoo Finance. So not a whole lot. I see people who come in that are looking for alternatives to bonds. They want to be able to accumulate more than bonds are paying right now. So I ask them, I ask them this simple question. If I could find a 10-year corporate bond with a 5% coupon with the principal insured, is that something you would be interested in? And what do you think most people say when I ask them that? Often they say, yes, absolutely. And if it were me, I'd just collect the coupon and hold it until it matured, right? But then I have to tell them the bad news. You may have heard this adage before. There ain't no corporate bond that does this. Maybe a high-yield junk bond would do that, but we're talking about quality bonds here. So as a fiduciary, it's my responsibility to our clients to search the widest range of solutions possible. That means if I'm worth my salt, we, can, we cannot limit ourselves to just stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. We need to look at what the banks are doing, and we need to look at what the insurance companies are doing, and we have to keep an open mind. That's only reasonable, right? As it turns out, the insurance industry has a couple of fixed indexed annuities that look a lot like our hypothetical 5% coupon bond. Now, obviously, there are a number of differences between bonds and annuities that need to be addressed before adding them as a solution to a comprehensive financial solution or financial plan. Now, listen, it's not that we're in love with annuities because... Well, let's define what annuities are first, and I'll, I'll share that with you. The first type is an immediate annuity. You would use a lump sum of money to purchase a contract from an insurance company for a guaranteed number of payments for a certain period of time, or the rest of your life, or maybe the rest of your spouse's life. Any money left in the contract when you pass away is forfeited. You're making a longevity bet with immediate annuities, right? and we rarely see this as a useful tool. The next type of annuity are, is variable annuities. These are comprised of professionally managed portfolios and you can allocate the units however you like. These strategies vary in investment objectives because it's managed with a professional money manager and because of the mortality cost and administration fees associated with these, Oftentimes we see people coming to the office when we run a report and they're paying 3 to 5% in fees on this. And I just don't like having to pay 3 to 5% on fees at all. And you can always lose money with variable annuities also. 
So then you have fixed annuities, and they provide an interest rate that's at a fixed rate for three, five, seven, ten years even. But normally it's two or three percent. What's the point, right? Finally, you have fixed indexed annuities. They combine tax deferral potential of interest based on an external index, but you're not in the market, so you cannot lose money. You're participating in the growth of the market, but you are not in the market. Now, you'd think that all these fixed index annuities return 4 to 6% over time, but I'm here to tell you that is just not the case. Many of them are returning 2 and 3%, but we've got to say that past performance is no guarantee of future performance, and uh, most of the time these are tied up for about 10 years is how long the contract is for. There are some shorter ones, but most of them are on a 10-year chassis. But there are a few out there that will return 5 to 6% over a period of time. Generally, again, they're for a 10-year time commitment that they're going to pay that 5 to 6% over that, uh, that duration of the time. But normally, uh, there's always 10% of that value that's accessible after the first year. So 10% of the contract value is liquid for you to use should you need that. But then you always have some money in your stock or equity side of your portfolio that is completely liquid. And so liquidity for our clients is never an issue. We don't put you in plans that are not liquid. In our office, we use these as an alternative to a 5% hypothetical bond, these, these fixed indexed annuities for the bond portion of a person's portfolio. This is actually an even better way to allocate your portfolio because with bonds, you are not immune to risk. The first risk you have with bonds is interest rate risk. We know bonds move inversely in value with interest rates. So if rates go up, bond values go down. Then you've got inflation risk. Are you keeping up with inflation? Right now with 2% inflation, it's a struggle in a bond to keep up with, uh, with inflation. And of course, you've got reinvestment risk. If rates fall further, it'll be hard to locate a similar paying bond in the future when your bond matures. And then you've got liquidity risk. If you want to sell a bond, there has to be a buyer. When we shift our bond allocation, we shift the when we when we shift our bond or, or we use uh our to excuse me when we use uh, when we shift our bond allocation to a fixed indexed annuity, we shift the risk to the insurance carrier who issues the annuity contract. So we let them carry the risk of all of these things that are going on. But it can't be straight, stated strongly enough that not all fixed indexed annuities are created equal. Some of them are pretty lousy, in fact. And when you have one of these, it can cost you. We need someone who has walked, or you as a retiree, or someone that's approaching retirement, need someone who has walked down this path with many people so that he or she can help you avoid these pitfalls that stand between you and a successful retirement plan. So a fixed indexed annuity can be a great alternative to the bond portion of your portfolio since bonds are not paying that well. If you'd like to know why your financial advisor may tell you not to use a fixed indexed annuity for the bond portion, give me a call and we'll talk about it and I'll explain that to you. With the rest of our time, I want to transition. I want to outline with you what an independent financial advisor like myself is. We're not tied to any funds or investment products. 
We're independent. Because we are fiduciaries, we are required to act in our client's best interest. And we're regulated in our office by the Securities Exchange Commission. Independent advisory firms like ours are one of the fastest growing industries in the financial services space. I think this is because we offer personalized service, so we are able to forge deep relationships with our clients and really get to know them to understand how we can best help them. One thing that we pride ourselves on at Clients Excel at our firm is our responsiveness and willing to assist our clients when they need it. Also, we are able to help with the whole picture of someone's financial life, whether that be help with Medicare planning or estate planning or connecting you with a competent tax advisor. And something that's worth saying is we don't hold your money that's invested with us. It's at financial custodians, and we, along with you, direct how it's invested. And so that's what an independent financial advisor is. And so that's worth sharing with you. And that's our show for today, folks. I appreciate you listening. And we always value your feedback, and we'd love to answer your questions. So if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at david at clientsexcel.com, or you can call me at 864-618-4800. Thank you for listening. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.